Dustin is like one of the most hated characters in the whole of Black Mirror. <laughs> is that right? Have you, have you well, done a poll on that? According to like Tumblr and places on the internet and Reddit oh. and things like that, you've got like serial killers, um, someone who's blocked from humanity, just like all these people. But Dustin comes in with a lot of hate. So I just really thought um, to build a lot of rapport with you if I just open with that. And, uh, <laughs> I just don't know how I feel about that. That's harsh, <laughs> isn't it? Hello, and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the podcast for all your Black Mirror needs. My name's Sachandrika, and I'll be your host. So today's podcast is going to work a little differently. Um, we have both episode analysis and an actor interview all in one. We have two guests today, 15 million merits actor Paul Popplewell, who played Dustin, and also our Birmingham Live colleague, James Roger, who is a huge Black Mirror superfan, particularly for season one. Just so you know, this episode was recorded a few weeks ago, so when Paul and James refer to Daniel Kaluuya's Oscar nomination, um, it was before the ceremony. The Oscars happened early this week, and as we know, Daniel sadly did not win Best Actor for Get Out, but he's had an amazing award season, and he did win the BAFTA for Rising Star. If you've not seen Get Out, I really recommend it. Just don't watch it alone, because it is actually really scary. I am Paul Popplewell, and I played Dustin in Black Mirror 15 Million Merits, season one. Hello, yeah, it's James again from the Birmingham Mail, uh, advanced content writer. I'm a massive, massive fan of Black Mirror Series 1, and I'm uh, really delighted to be here again to analyse 15 million merits. Paul, did you have any idea of how big Black Mirror would get when you were reading the script for the second episode? No, it certainly wasn't the phenomena that it has now become. Um, but it was quality writing, as as you know. Um, so, and and it was quality people attached to it you know when you've got a great script and um good actors producers writers casting directors when all these people want to be involved in it you know it's something really good uh, it always starts in the in the writing so i was um yeah i was super keen to be be involved we didn't really know what it was going to be you're absolutely right i don't think the budget was particularly huge i don't know what the if that's changed or not, I'm not sure. But um, but we were all game to, to, to jump on board. And um, it's become a phenomenon, hasn't it? James, when I was in the Birmingham Live newsroom earlier this year, you told me that you love season one of Black Mirror most of all. Why is that? These first three episodes, series one, are Black Mirror at its best, at its most raw, at its most honest, at its most dark. It was unlike anything else, and it's, it remains unlike anything else. And, yeah, um, Series 1 is just Black Mirror, just at its finest for me. I'm, I'm not sure Brooker will ever top it, in my opinion, but that's just because I love it. absolutely adore it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Daniel Kaluuya, who's now up for an Oscar. And, yeah. Uh, that was really the start of his career when you, you two worked together. Yeah, I mean, it was already uh, kind of a hot thing, wasn't it, if I remember rightly? He was already tipped to, to be um, a, a hot young prospect. And, and look at him now, you know, uh, BAFTA winner, double BAFTA nominated, wasn't he, this year? He won one of them. He's, he's not Oscar nominated. I mean, it's great. He's such a, you know, working class um, hero in many respects. You know, it's brilliant. He, he doesn't need my prayers. He's, he's smashing it. But, um, yeah, he's, he was a lovely lad as well. 
it was just a really nice, relaxed set. We didn't have trailers or anything like that. So we would just hang around in this little room in between scenes, just shoot the breeze. Yeah, he was, he was a really nice guy and really good to work with, uh, as, as, uh, as they all were, you know, David and, and Jessica and, and, and all of them, really. And it, the first thing that struck me when I watched it the first time was uh, Daniel Kaluuya. It was probably my probably his biggest role since he left Skins, and he was never like a big part of Skins really. That that first generation, he was kind of always in the background. Um, but I just thought he was brilliant in this, and that's the thing that stuck with me most when I finished watching it was just his performance. He's very very reserved and very very focused for the whole episode. He he says a line at a time at most, but then at, at the end, in this kind of it kind of leads to this big crescendo on stage. Abby's been made to do something awful, and he kind of just lets rip this vicious kind of stream of consciousness at these smug judges sat there and it's like it's an act of rebellion that it leaves the audience silent and it leaves the judges silent for a moment um until they kind of the facade comes down again and they laud him and they say oh what what fantastic most uh, you know heartfelt thing that you've done and you've accomplished and uh, yeah i guess that's the thing isn't it because he is so restrained throughout the whole thing and it it does lead to this crescendo and to be honest you don't know whether the crescendo is even going to come in the national anthem, you always kind of know it's going to build to this thing, um, and it's inevitable in a way. But with Bing, you're kind of like willing him to do this, but you're not sure whether he will. Um, and it's really powerful when he eventually does, and it's really, really, really well played by Kaluuya. Paul, 15 million merits is so memorable visually. What was it like walking onto that set? It, well, it was uh, it was pretty basic, I have to say. Uh, in, in t- I think a lot of it was done um, well with the graphics and in the in the way it was brilliantly shot, um, but it was it was a pretty basic um, um, set, you know, all, all the layers of, of of booths. I don't know what you would call them, little cycle rooms. That was all um, in the post edit. So um, I mean, it was pretty cool. I have to say that you know when we're in the little bedrooms and and on the bike machines, it was like it was a really well done, well made awesome little set but it was pretty basic and we were in like a hut somewhere i think uh, on, uh, on, on an old studio plot yeah it's amazing what they do in the post to, to make it something completely different you know what i mean uh, I, I don't remember it as it is because i watched it again yeah it does look pretty awesome i have to say and uh, you know you think god it won't like that on the day oh it is it is a whole new world it's when you look at the the colour of the national anthem, it's it's shot very grey, very blue, very kind of strained almost. But this, it's kind of it's it's fright it's frightening really how how slick it all looks. It looks quite total recall in a way. Actually, that was my that was my first impression watching it back. I was actually shocked by just how good it is visually. Um, it kind of looks how all good dystopian kind of sci-fi should. I always think it's completely different from our world and it's actually frightening to contemplate as well so visually different it's kind of like the matrix total recall blade run all these things rolled into one being stuck in his own kind of candy crush like world um he's kind of like a me like uh me avatar like a nintendo wii type thing um and it's really interesting like that whole aspect of you know you build up these credits so you can skip adverts and things like that and um so you know you're stuck. You're, you're stuck inside this techno- technological world. You can't you can't click X uh, unless you clear more lines, things like that. 
What was it like working with Charlie Brooker? Was he on set a lot and kind of? He, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He he came down a couple of times, just sort of pop his head in. Uh, I didn't have an awful lot to do with him, to be fair. He was very polite and friendly. But um, no, he was shooting something else at the time as well. So he was splitting his time between uh, a touch of cloth, I think it was. Um, so no, I only saw him a couple of times. James, what is 15 million merits all about? It's, it's very easy to watch this episode and say, oh, well, you know, Charlie Brooker hates, hates the X Factor and or he hates the voice. And I think that's, yeah, fair enough. It, that, it does say a lot of things about contemporary like kind of reality TV culture. But I think it says more, not so much as kind of like his hatred for them is kind of, I think the episode speaks more to the scarier aspect of society that kind of transcends television t- talent in the way that we kind of, talent in this world that we live in is quite aggressively repurposed and repackaged into something that defeats their kind of authenticity and the the message they want to portray and their intent in a way it's kind of like society is repackaging them into these uh, the things that they almost don't want to be and they never dreamt of becoming yeah there's a surprising outcome and the outcome is that he gets a spot on his own show delivering this rant or rants of a similar nature um to his public, um, and that's that. That's that's his outlet out. Like Abby's outlet out was becoming a porn star. His is delivering these streams of consciousness in these vicious ways, um, quite um, scathing and very very real and very very honest. Um, but they just become packaged like anything else into this thing that is just repeated and repeated and repeated and becomes not very authentic and not very heartfelt. And um, that's that's how he spends his life. It's a social commentary, isn't it, by Charlie and 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 the, and the writing team? You know, it's sort of it is, you know, these people around us put put, put them people put them on the pedestals as, as like some sort of gods, like you know, deciding on people's lives. I mean, there's there's something to be said about it. I think this X Factor and Britain's Got Talent and all that sort of stuff. You know, people are aspiring for a for a way out. And, one man or a panel deciding whether whether you get that or not. Yeah, it's it's a really cruel universe. What happens to Abby is awful. Um, you you don't know what's going to happen to the other people who don't actually get chosen in any way. Do they get out? Um, and even with the ending, you sort of Bing is alone in this in this flat, and he has to keep doing the same thing again and again. I mean, it's not much of a re- escape, is it? Really? No. I mean, he's, he's, he gets to drink orange juice and he gets a view, but then you go, "Is that even real?" Yeah, I think it probably is, but you you you're sort of left wondering. Um, it's still a lonely existence. You, you're right. He looks at the penguin origami and he thinks of Abby and Abby. They're never going to see each other again. We assume. But I'm very. To be honest, I got the impression that I'm not even sure whether Abby remembers her life beforehand. I'm not even sure whether she wants to see Bing again, whether she's aware that Bing's out there thinking of her, things like that, because she is so compliant through this this drug system and this this entertainment industry that has um, brought her down to something that she doesn't want to be. Because this is, you know, this, it's supposed to be Bing getting his happy ever after in a way, but it, really it's just, it's absolutely awful and it's, it's horrible really. But one of them uh, that I took away was just how much, how all forms of entertainment involve a certain varying degree of um, being degraded, almost. And that struck me as just uh, devastating and um, terrifying, but also very, very real. Um, and it's just, you know, 
so much of it is separated from our world visually. But at the end of the day, it's it's very plausible that Bing can't escape this advertising, uh, you know, even by closing his eyes or covering his ears. Paul, what do you think of your character, Dustin? He, yeah, he's a bully, isn't he? He's not a particularly nice man. He's uh, he's a bully. He's cruel to people. It's it's pretty dark, really. But to him, it's it's the ordinary. It's it, I don't think he thinks he's been mean. I think it's it's just within him. He's not a particularly pleasant person, is he? Most of us, we slog it in day in day out. Uh, we have a bit of money or merits to buy things and to get rid of advertising and things like that if we want to um and then we're led to you know admire celebrities and um lifestyle and things like that and we're kind of trying to propel ourselves towards these people who we're supposed to aspire to be and and things like that and it's a sad reality of life um and it, it says more you know in in our culture are we are we in a way are we you know fair enough we've got a little bit more freedom on the surface but are we people like bing are we People like Abby, uh, you know, on this kind of treadmill. Um, and that's the way that society is, has ingrained it in us. No, I've only seen, I've only seen two of them. Um, but don't tell Jodie Whittaker that because I don't think I've seen hers yet. <laughs> oh, that's a really good one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, I, I say I know. I, I mean, I hear. Um, but I've never watched it yet. Uh, I will watch it. You know, I'll catch up on Netflix. That's what I do a lot at the minute. <laughs> Um, in my black mirror, you know, that I'm using right now, actually. Have you got anything coming out soon? Yeah, I have. I've got, um, I'm, I'm not, um, working on anything at the minute, but I've got, um, a film coming out in a couple of weeks, actually. It's called Journeyman and it's, um, written, directed by Paddy Considine and it's, um, uh, Paddy's in it, Jodie Whittaker's in it. And it's about um, a world championship boxer who uh, sustains a life-changing injury. Yeah, that'll be out in cinemas March 30th, I think. Yeah, March 30th. Jodie is going to confront you at some point and just say, why are you not watching my episode? I, I don't think she'll care. She's too easy going. <laughs> but that's, that was a cut a little joke when I said, don't tell her. But um, yeah, yeah, she's a bit, bit busy, isn't she, with old Doctor Who? A little bit tied up at the moment. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine very much so, yeah. So when was Journeyman filmed then? Was that filmed last year? No, two years ago. Okay. Um, 2016, about March 2000. Yeah, nearly three years, uh, nearly two years. Long before like she had any idea that all the Doctor Who stuff was coming up, but now everything has changed, really, for her. I think it's probably changed. I don't want to speak for her, um, but I would imagine it's changed dramatically. And I don't think she had any idea that she was going to be doing um, Doctor Who back then. No, but again, um, no, no, she wouldn't have done because uh, Peter Capaldi was not long into it. So I don't think it would have been on the cars that they were looking for somebody else. James, what do you think of the casting across season one? Daniel Kaluuya was, apart from Skinned, basically an unknown, I want to say, at this point. I mean, he'd been in a few things. Uh, he was in a film called Chat Room, which was a kind of quite small British, straight-to-DVD type affair. But then you've got him, who's really powerful in that role and just excellent and very, very raw and very, very honest. And you've got the likes of Rory Kinnear and Jodie Whittaker, um, who were just very, very well-known. Uh, Jodie Whittaker, arguably, 
probably the most famous actress in the country, I'd say now, um, <laughs> which is interesting how that one has worked out. It's uh, really good for her. She's fantastic. Toby Kebbell, excellent as well. Yeah, everyone in this first series just seems very, very um, adept at that role and, and very, very well cast. And, you know, it's almost as if Brooke has just written the, the role for them. That's how well they play it. And I think that just lends itself to the fantastic writing. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the great things about Charlie Brooker. I, I've got so much time for Charlie Brooker, anything he does. And I think that's the best, one of the best things about him. No one's off limits, including himself. <laughs> including sometimes, if you see, I beg any Black Mirror fan to go onto YouTube, there's videos of it, and of him before he'd even met Connie Huck, delivering quite acerbic kind of swipes at her uh, when she was um, a very famous kids TV presenter. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about him. I just think he's he's completely game for doing anything, saying anything, including himself, yeah. So season one of Black Mirror was shown way back in December 2011. Paul, do you have fond memories of, of working in one of the earliest Black Mirror episodes? Is that how long ago it was, really? Yeah. Six years ago. My goodness, it flies by when you're having fun, doesn't it? <laughs> do you know, I've still got my grey jogging suit. There's something you ought to know. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. I sometimes run in that vest because I don't own vests. It's not, you know, vests are not something I buy or own. Um, so I, I um, yeah, I thought, I said, oh, can I have these for dossing about the house? And they're really comfy. And now I occasionally find myself um, in a hot gym wearing that grey vest very infrequently. But there you go. Listeners might be interested in that um, rather mundane fact. James, why should newcomers to Black Mirror go back and watch the first series? Kind of this great avant-garde, makes you think storytelling. Um, and I think that's that's the message I'd like people listening to this to heed, is just go out and dig up, out that first series, those first two series, if you're not sure whether you like it. I don't think you'll regret it at all. It's the episode a lot of people associate Black Mirror with. It looks like Black Mirror. It has Black Mirrors on all the walls. I often, I often think of Black Mirror and our episode when I am using my iPad and the sun is shining and all I can see is myself. It's always that, you know, it's the obvious, I mean, it's what it means, but I, I do think of that, you know, for, for the obvious reason. If you've got any thoughts about our conversation today or about the episode itself, then please do tweet. You can tweet the podcast at, at Black Mirror Crew. And uh, you can get me on at Sachandrika C and both those Twitter handles should be written down on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast from. 